I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm by myself today. Alex said he couldn't watch the game last night, and I am fighting a horrible cold. And so I am just going to answer some Twitter questions, briefly touch on the Clippers Thunder game from last night. And that will be it for today. So the Thunder lost last night. 94 to 109. I guess you'd say 10994. Uh it was uh pretty brutal. <laughs> the Clippers are so good. Just the guys coming off the bench for them are just incredible. I mean, Harrell is awesome. You have Lou Williams, who is awesome. You have Landry Shamit, who did nothing last night, but you still look at him like I'd like to have that guy on my team. Jermichael Green came in and hit two threes. And then you have their starting lineup. Mark, the Marcus Morris addition is huge for them. The difference between Marcus Morris and Mo Harkless is big time. And so they're they're just going to be tough. They're going to be tough to stop in the Western Conference. And even if they get to the finals, they're going to be really, really tough team. The Thunder also, to me, are not this bad. They They did not play well. Their offense was not good last night. Overall, 42% from the field, 32% from three, 65% from the free throw line. Just not great. Not great shooting percentages at all. (laughs) Poor Nader, who gives just supreme effort. He had two blocks, two assists, six boards, five points last night. He had the chance to go to the free throw line. He got fouled at the end of the half, and he misses all. He misses two out of three free throws, and you just feel bad for him. (laughs) just got to feel bad for it. Uh, but there's really, I mean, not anything great from last night from anybody. There were some pretty good efforts from, from Shea. You said we had some moments from Dort. Dort had this moment where he split the defense on a fast break, uh, where he looked really good. Uh, Ferguson had just a brutal offensive night. Uh, really not a whole lot there to me the one of the big things is Steven Adams, and I talked about this on Thunder After Dark. If you're not subscribed to that, you should go check it out at patreon.com backslash OKC Dream Team. But he's playing against Zubots. That's the guy. He should just destroy him. And then Harrell, who is so much smaller than Adams, and Adams is a really skilled player on offense. He can do a lot of things. And last night, he just was not effective. And if the Thunder are going to have a prayer of even competing with the Clippers, he has to play well on the offensive end. Defensively, he is always bringing stuff. He's always bringing great screens, all these things. But he's got to be a factor on the offensive end, especially with the the wing defense that the Clippers have. There's no space for Gallinari to get shots off. There's no space for Chris Paul to get shots off. There's no space for Shea. It's not there. They need Steven to be able to help create that space a little bit. And 
shrink the defense back into the paint a little bit, and they didn't have to. They didn't have to. He was 2 of 6 from the field, 4 points on 6 shots. He's had good games recently, but last night was just one of those where you're just really frustrated. Jay was texting the down to dunk group about how frustrated he was, and it was. It was a frustrating watch just to see Steven Adams not be able to perform. But overall, the Thunder are worse than the Clippers. That, I mean, that's just... It's a, it's a rough stretch. You have to play the Bucks and the Clippers, who, depending on who you ask, the, these are the two best teams or two of the three best teams in the NBA. The Clippers haven't lost since they've had their full complementary of players. They haven't lost. They're 10-0. So I'm really interested to see how this Clippers team moves into the playoffs and how they play. Uh, one bright spot, if you, uh, if you want to consider a bright spot, is that the Thunder... Uh, own their pick as of today. So they would have the 20th pick in the draft. Uh, according to tankathon.com, they would also have the Nuggets pick, which would be 25th. So in a week draft, the Thunder get 20 and 25. That's something. Sometimes you can find guys in these week drafts that people are like, I don't know who these guys are. But then you have guys like Sam who take guys like Darius Paisley. And so you never know what you can find middle or end of the first round. You just don't know. And so if the Thunder can keep this pick, I think it is pretty interesting. But we've also talked about that maybe the second round pick in two years is more valuable than this one. It's hard to say, but it could be. It's very possible. If that's a double draft, it could be more valuable than this one. But as of today, the Oklahoma City Thunder own their own first round pick, which is top 20 protected. All right. Let's move on to some Twitter questions. Twitter questions! First question comes from Benelphin King. Is there a dream scenario this year? Is the draft pick more important than our matchup position? So that goes right along with what we were just talking about. I don't, I don't know, because I don't know who I like in this draft yet. And McKelly and I will start digging into that here pretty quick. But... It's hard to say. If there are good players, good role players toward the back of this draft, then it becomes important. But if there's not, if there's not a lot of depth to this draft, and again, I, I can't sit here and pretend that I know, then it's it's not super important. Uh, to me, a dream scenario would be keeping the pick and staying in position where they are exactly right now, where you have a chance to play the Nuggets in round one. Because I think that the Clippers clearly, <laughs> they've got two of the bigger, more skilled wings in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And the Thunder just don't really have anybody to throw at those guys. And then the, they can throw those guys at the Thunder's guys. And it's just really, it's an incredibly difficult matchup for OKC. So I don't like that. And obviously you don't want to fall further. The Thunder aren't going to fall to eight, so they're not going to play the Lakers. But then you look at these other teams, Houston. Now, for the storylines alone, I would love the Thunder to play Houston. I think it would be amazing if they could play Houston. So that's still a possibility. But there's still there's something about the Nuggets that you look at and say, okay, maybe OKC can compete. And also, as a team that the Thunder can keep Steven Adams out on the floor. And I just wonder, if you're really going to compete with the Rockets... Can you have 
can you have Steven Adams playing 30 minutes a night? It's a question because if he's not taking advantage of the small mismatches that he's going to have, where is the effectiveness on the offensive end? And then defensively, he's not a guy that's going to close out. So to me, dream scenario, play the nuggets in round one. You make it a tough series. You keep your pick and then you give yourself options in this next draft, whether it is trade those two picks and move up, which is really not, paid off well in the past, but maybe there is a guy that makes sense to do that with, or you just select two young guys to add to this core. And then you figure out, maybe you let a Nader and a Burton go this summer, or you, you just figure it out. And the trades they're going to, they'll make some trades this summer. I have no doubt about that. And so you have to wonder, what does that look like? So to me, the dream scenario is play Denver in round one and then keep your draft pick. And they, right now, the dream scenario is in play. So I guess we'll find out as the season goes along. Uh, from at Matt Tierney NBA, I think we need a mic-to-mic conversation about the beef that happened between at Al Baby Cakes and this Twitter page regarding Westbrook. I, I'm not going to divulge much information about this, but I will say that our uh, text thread has been ultra heated recently ultra heated and i'm trying to get together the parties that are heated at each other to do a podcast together and uh i'll keep you guys posted because it would be uh either entertaining or it would just like maybe it would have the feel of sitting there watching your parents argue or something it'd be really awkward but either way it's something uh from at the underscore sternlicht So do we really just let Steph sit out four months with a broken hand? Can you imagine if that was one of the original OKC big three? I mean, they are just letting it heal, baby. Let's get that draft pick. We, I mean, they have the best odds to get the number one pick today. We'd like to pause for a brief minute to ask you, our faithful and wonderful listeners, to click into the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that's there for a very short survey. You all know so much about us, what makes us grateful and blessed and miffed and peeved, but we don't know much about you. The survey is 11 super simple questions that will take you under one minute to do, I promise. So head over to the show notes for today's episode and click on that link. This is something that will help us make our show better and help us reach more people, so we would really appreciate it if you just take the one minute that it will take to answer these questions. That's what this is all about. It's how do we figure out what is what does the next Warriors team look like while we also let Steph get completely healthy? I mean, they just went on this crazy run where they go to the finals year after year after year. They're playing way into June. Now it's like, okay, chill out, guys. Take it easy. Let's see if we can get some pieces in here. I don't really, I don't like the Wiggins deal. I like the pick that they got. I don't like the Wiggins deal. I don't really understand. I don't, I'm not with that, but if you can get the number one pick and you can draft a player that has some potential or even trade that to get a player that can really help you today, that's great. If I were a Warriors fan, I would be super jacked for this situation because you could have let Curry play probably more than he has been. And then you get like the seventh pick and in this draft, that just has no value. 
So you just get to pick whichever guy you like the best if you get the number one pick. And then you get to go figure it out. So if I'm if I'm a Warriors fan, I'm super excited about this. Uh, and it, it kind of goes back to the, the plagues of Egypt season for the Thunder, where they had all those injuries, and it was crazy, and they just barely missed the playoffs. And, you know, you're one pick away from Devin Booker. And sometimes you have to... There is like this gamesmanship that doesn't involve winning games in the NBA. And it's really, it's a difficult balance. I don't know how you balance it. I don't know. You can't go to your team and say, hey, don't try to win these games. Don't try to get into the playoffs. Because if that Thunder team got in the playoffs, you that is not the team you want to play if you're the eighth seed. And so it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but it's not, it's not a tough one for the Warriors at all. They had every excuse in the world to just tank and they said, let's do it. And so I, I applaud them for that, which I'm sure doesn't surprise many of you at all. Uh, okay. At Ben Elephant King again, what other former Thunder player would you like the Rockets to sign? Oh boy. So they've got, I mean, I mean, Serge Ibaka would be the one where they don't really have rim protection and he would just be perfect for that, for that role where he can't hit threes, but he's been better around the rim this year. Provides a little bit of variety for them but can stretch. He's kind of perfect for them. And I would be super miffed if they made that happen. Uh, at hoops talk 69 wants to know what's new in the group chat this week. <laughs> I'll tell you yesterday talked about this a little bit earlier, but it was, uh, there was some long heated exchanges where I, I was trying to get some guys shirt sizes in there. And it's just really funny to go back and look at it because you have these like heated arguments along with just random shirt sizes being <laughs> thrown in there. So it's pretty good. Uh, at Pepsi United, are your postseason expectations tempered a bit after the last two games, or do you see it as a very bad mini stretch and not worry too much? I think that it has been a bad stretch for the Thunder. And so I don't know that it tempers my expectations because the Thunder aren't going to be playing either one of those teams, I don't think. I mean, I guess they could play the Clippers, which would be a bad situation. But the Thunder are likely going to play Houston or Denver or a team like that. Or if maybe the Jazz get hot to finish the season, they could play the Jazz. But I would expect that they would not play the Clippers in round one. And so I think they can compete better with those other teams. I also think they can play a lot better than this. They, they have shown that throughout the season that they are a better team what they have shown the last two games. And so it doesn't necessarily temper my expectations. I still kind of expect them to be out in round one and to put up a fight, you know, six or seven game series. I, I wouldn't think that's out of the question that if you do get to a seven game series, then you give yourself a chance. And so I do think this team is built for the playoffs. They can score in the half court. They can defend. I, they've got multiple options. I like them. I like them as they're constructed, but my expectations are still not super high for this team. I think to expect them to go to round two is uh, off base. I think to think that they have a chance to go to round two is not off base, but to expect it is to me is, is off base from at Kiwi Greg five, 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 five. Is it a possibility that Miami could sign and trade their expiring players for Chris Paul? 
So let's take a look at Miami's roster and see if they could do such a thing. I would expect that they have enough guys to get you there without having to deal expiring cut or without having to do signer trades. So Goran Dragic is expiring 19.2 million and Myers Leonard is expiring at 11 million. But you still have Kelly Olenek's 12 and you have Andre Iguodala's 17. So you can get there in the offseason with those two. You can get close close enough and then you can pull together some other salaries to get there. So I still think that, that it's, there's a possibility there. I don't think you have to do a sign and trade to make it happen. I think you can pull together enough salaries. If that's if the Miami Heat wanted to do that, I think you could make it happen. And then we've talked about this with McKelly, but I think that if you throw in a KZ Apollo, I don't know if the Thunder have interest in Kendrick Nunn. I don't know. I think Duncan Robinson is really interesting as a young prospect that can really, really shoot it. But I, I don't think you're getting a Tyler Hero or anybody like that, obviously. So, but yeah, I, I don't think you'd have to do a sign and trade to make it happen, which would complicate things and screw things up for Miami two years in a row, cap-wise. So I'm not sure Miami would be super jacked to do that either. Next question from at Nicholas87. What about a Chris Paul for Mike Conley trade? Could we take advantage of a bad of bad chemistry in a poor year that Conley's having? I think it's super interesting. I think that Chris Paul would make a huge difference for Utah. They'd be taking on an additional year of salary. It would give the Thunder an expiring contract to Mike Conley. And so then it, it comes down to what asset would the Jazz be willing to give up? Because they've got first-round picks they can trade. They are out. So, let's see. Their current pick situation is that they have... They've traded the Grizzlies pick. It's top seven protected. Um, and the pick would defer to 2021 because the Jazz pick is currently 15 through 30. So... The pick defers to 2021. Are they going to get it then? Maybe. So, and the and really the Thunder would want one way in the future anyway. So like a 2023 protected pick or 2022 protected pick. I mean, if I'm the Thunder, I would do that. I would take Mike Conley, who is definitely a huge downgrade for OKC. Uh, but I think that he allows you to... Uh, position yourself, and that's repositioning is something that Sam Presti's talked about. He gets you closer to that repositioning, and if you can't find a deal for him, then you can let him expire. And next year, maybe you try to just keep that team together. Mike Conley, Dennis Schroeder, Stephen Adams, you know, let Shea develop with Mike Conley a little bit and just see how it goes. And, you know, 2021, you may not get a top five pick. You may get a lottery pick because that Thunder team may be in the lottery because you also have to remember that the Golden State Warriors are going to be stepping in. And then what? how do these other teams improve or step up? Do the Kings get it together? The Pelicans are a team that's on the outside looking in. I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot next year. I think they'll be in the playoffs. 
And so there's no guarantee that this Thunder team would be in, especially if they trade Chris Paul. To me, if they trade Chris Paul, it's all it's all over. But you trade Mike Conley, then it's kind of iffy. But then he expires and Schroeder expires and Adams expires. You know, if you could trade them, could you get something for them? Maybe. Sorry, I'm fighting this cold. And if you've if it's hard to listen to, I'm really sorry. Um so to me, it makes some sense, especially if you can get a first rounder in it. <clears throat> I think that it's a great deal for the Jazz because you bring in a guy that can be a fourth quarter score along with Donovan Mitchell and a guy that can orchestrate the offense and also a guy that I think the team would look to as a leader, which I think is something that Chris Paul really needs <laughs> in his own heart. And so to me, that would be a great situation. And if the Thunder could add two and get, if you could get another 2022 pick, and it would probably not be a great pick. It'd probably be in the 20s. But still, you add to that, I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. And if I'm the Jazz, I I would jump on that. I totally would jump on that. Next question is from at Xander LA Flame or Xander La Flame. I don't know which. Uh, do you think SGA is happy in OKC? I know the chemistry is nice right now, but it feels like he won't be here for too long after his rookie contract. It's, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, he doesn't seem unhappy here. He's a really low-key guy and not super easy to read. And so, to me, it's all going to depend on how good the team is. If this team can get good and they can get good young players to surround him, then I think he'll be happy. It's always, always, always going to be a battle of keeping players here in Oklahoma City. It's always going to be. And I, I think that he will accept a max deal on his next contract. And then a lot of the, it's hard. I mean, you have, you have Towns in Minnesota who's not asking out. You have Devin Booker in Phoenix who's not asking out. You know, it's the second contract is still kind of a let's let's feel this out. Let's try to make this work. And so I, I would guess that Shea would stay through that contract. Now, the third contract is where it becomes a question where he's an unrestricted free agent. Is he going to stick around? Great. If he is, how long? Even if he signs a four year deal, is he going to stay for those four years? It's probably unlikely. So you do have the, the clock is ticking with Shea. There's, that's certainly a factor here and when this rebuild begins and how it goes. It certainly is. But, to, for, but for me to say whether he's happy or unhappy here, I, I, can't, I can't do that. But I would guess that he'll be around for a while unless the Thunder deal him. But I, I don't see that happening either. This is from at Jared Fergie. Do you guys think that once Baisley gets back, we can compete better in these higher stakes games? Size has been sort of a problem for us lately. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to say that Baisley's going to come back and be a factor that you know keeps the Thunder in games like these last two. He does provide a certain versatility that the Thunder don't have. They don't have a six foot eight, six foot nine, six foot ten guy that can guard on the perimeter and protect the rim and kind of make things happen. They don't have that. He's the only one. And so, yeah, he does fill that spot, certainly. But I think Nader has played well enough in that spot 
this, the role is so small that I just don't think that it's that much of a factor. I think what they really needed is for guys like Chris Paul and Shea and Schroeder and Adams to just have big games and, and Gallinari. And on a night-to-night basis, that usually happens, that you get a big night from one of those guys or two of those guys and some nights three of those guys. In the last two nights, you haven't had that. And so you just don't win when you're when they can't do that. And some of it is the defense of the Bucks and the defense of the Clippers, but some of it is that those guys just didn't have it going. And so I think Baisley can help, but I don't think that he's a huge factor in whether they win or lose games. I really, I just really don't. Uh, this is from at Will Colton Bell. Hypothetically, if there was an equally good prospect at each position in the draft, what position do you think OKC should focus on? Great question. It's the wing. If you can get a good wing, you are ahead of the game, especially for this OKC team and their rebuild. If they can somehow get a good wing at 20 or 25, that would be amazing. You can find centers. You can find them. The Thunder have one on their roster, Nerlens Noel, that's really cheap and a good player, a really good player. That could be starting for some other team. I mean, he could honestly be starting for the Lakers. He's he's a good player. He could be starting for the Clippers. I mean, how much better Zubats than than Nerlens? I mean, I would say not. So you can find those guys, and the Thunder have point a point guard and Shea. They can play both spots. You can find guards. But if you can find a wing that can defend and that can score, that's it. To me, it's a wing. Thunder are void of good wings. And so if they can play the two or the three, six foot seven to six foot nine, I mean, that's that's it. They don't have that. They don't have those guys. They have a good, you know, Bayes is a four. I think there's a possibility of him playing three, but he's a four. And I think you can go find fives. I think you can go find other guys. I mean, Dort is not a wing. I mean, he's more of a combo guard. And so they need they need big wings. Uh, at J-Lo, 2836, should Ferguson be reassigned to the blue and try to help out his confidence? I'm not sure being assigned to the blue would help out his confidence. I think that playing for the G League might, uh, might uh, hurt him a little bit more than it does help. So I don't know what to do with Ferg. I don't know what they should do with Ferg, to be honest. I think that he's in a, he's in a weird spot in his career, in his life. I think he's in a weird spot. And I think Ferg's got to figure that out. I think he's got to figure it out. We'll do one more. This is from at Jizo 100. With the style of play as it is today, would you rather draft a center destined to be top three in the league or a wing destined to be top 20 in the league? Kind of back to... Well, we just talked about, I mean, if you could draft a top three center in the NBA, so we're talking Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic type of guy, or a top 20 wing, let's say Jalen Brown. So would you rather have Joel Embiid or Jalen Brown? I'd rather have Joel Embiid every single day because those are, those guys are game changing. And, th- and then it depends on how, how do you build the team around them? Because, to me, honestly, if you had Jokic on this team and developing and growing and you have Shea, because I don't think the Nuggets have another prospect as good as Shea. 
And so if you could have Shea and Jokic, that's wonderful. That's great. You have Shea and Jalen Brown. Yeah, that's pretty good. And maybe even Jalen Brown is is higher than a top 20 wing. But it's just, to me, that's the first thing that pops in my head. But if you could have one of those game-changing big men, and they have, to me, it has to be, they're extremely skilled on the offensive end and are, and are a good defender. I don't want like a Rudy Gobert type of center. I need a guy that you can help run the offense. Those are the game-changing guys to me. Towns, I think, could be a game-changer if he can get it together on defense. So, to me, I think I'd rather, if you can get a top three guy, as long as they're also a top ten guy in the league, then I would rather have that guy. I would rather have that guy over and over and over again. Because the top ten guys in the league are what control everything. And so, especially if you can get a big guy, because then you force other teams to read and react. And so, to me, that's that's what I would go with. Um, but it's, it's a tough choice. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. I apologize as my voice and my cold and allergies are just completely struggling today. So thanks for bearing with me. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.